0: I just have to keep believing in myself and like keep remembering why I'm doing it, how I felt about myself when I started and when I didn't have any fears. And it's really just a mind fuck sometimes. You just have to stay really, really positive, which is hard.
1: Welcome to Making Conversation with me, Grant Brighton, a podcast about music, creativity, and careers. For this series, I've sat down with a range of artists and creative professionals in order to learn about how their unique experiences and perspectives can help us in our own creative and business practices. For this episode, I spoke to singer, songwriter and producer Lolo Zouai. Born in Paris and raised in San Francisco, Lolo came up writing songs, making beats on her laptop and listening to Bay Area Rap before moving to New York where she'd take her career to the next level. Finding a creative partner in producer Stelios, she released her debut album High Highs to Lolo's last year. A generational voice, she's developed a rapidly growing global fan base and spent most of 2019 on the road. Next year, she'll join Dua Lipa on the rescheduled Future Nostalgia Tour. Recorded via Facetime from a friend's house in LA where she's currently isolating, Lolo and I discussed production, the specificity of her songwriting, how she keeps a healthy mindset and more. How have you been adapting to quarantine so far?
0: I left New York about a month and a half ago and I went to stay with my friend in LA because I just had a feeling that New York would be really difficult to live in. It's hard not to it's hard not to see people when you're just going to the deli. But yeah, in LA I've just been staying at home doing as much exercise as possible outside, like on just down the block and, and like making music in my house.
1: What have been like the main challenges for you sort of personally? And I guess career-wise, I know you were scheduled to be on tour with yeah. Dua Lipa this week.
0: That's, I mean, that's been, that was something I was really looking forward to. I mean, it's still going to happen, so it's fine. But I think I'm just, I just had to re- focus and change the approach of the whole entire year because it was going to be like put out a few songs and then tour tour that and then after that finish my album but now everything's been switching and so i have to finish or just work on my album this year and hopefully put it out before or during the tour I don't, i'm not sure
1: obviously you have just dropped it's my fault what made you decide that you wanted to release music during this time and was that something you'd already planned or is that sort of a plan that you've had to adapt for the for the time
0: yeah I was gonna put everything out together before the I was gonna do like a little EP and then and then I just realized I have to I have to spread everything apart a little bit so that so that I'm constantly putting something out because people still people still are listening to music people are watching so much Netflix you know we we still need to be entertained even though there's a pandemic going on and so i just realized these songs i feel like that i'm going to be putting out are very fitting for the quarantine because they're very moody and vulnerable and most people are alone right now and so they just want to hear something you know relatable and we're like we're n- a lot of people aren't feeling happy right now i would say and so <laughs> just music that fits that that moment.
1: You said that you'd been making music as well. How how have you had to kind of adapt that? Because I guess normally you, you're collaborating and things like that. So suddenly you're kind of stuck alone, having to create. How do how have you changed your process?
0: Yeah, usually I I like go to the studio in the Lower East Side and I work with Stelios, my producer. We're just like doing that seven hours a day. But now, I mean, luckily I know how to produce, and so I've been producing a lot of my own stuff and. I've been asking guitar players to send me loops, and I'm just finding different creative ways and finding people to remix my vocals and do all that. So it is exciting, and it's a time for me to to write more, even for other people. And I've just been trying to be creative and make music in any way possible, make covers, all of it.
1: And would you say at the moment you're creating still with kind of the album in mind or is it more just that you want that process of creation
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to find just trying to find any moment of inspiration right now. And then if it's good, then it'll probably go on an album, but it's hard it's hard to make an album during quarantine because I don't have all the the resources that I used to have. I can I can start a lot of songs and I think that the most important part of making a song is like the beginning when you get that one idea that that even makes you want to write a song in the first place like just triggers that one spark and then that spark is only there when you're starting to write the song and then after when you just have to like finish the song that's when it gets a little bit more tedious and difficult and less fun I would say for me
1: Obviously, because you've kind of had to leave New York in somewhat of a hurry and go to LA and stay with a friend. What resources do you have? Because I'm guessing you're quite limited. What do you kind of have with you for making music?
0: I have my laptop. I have my microphone that I'm using right now. My interface. I have a guitar. Luckily, my friend has this little um, studio spot that I can actually like pretty, pretty soundproof. So I'm lucky to have that. But I was recording a lot in a closet at first. I did this cover of a song by Jeremiah called Paradise, yeah. and I reproduced it and I recorded it in in a closet. <laughs> and I got my friend to mix it, so it sounds a little bit better. But yeah, you don't have to you don't have to be in a studio to put something out.
1: Yeah. What was it? What was it about that song that made you choose to do that? And also, I thought it was interesting that you chose not only to just sort of cover the song, but also to reproduce the instrumental
0: yeah i couldn't i don't think i could find the instrumental online and it actually took me it's just one sound it's just a harp sound but it took me so long because i was listening by ear like recreating each note so that was a challenge but that was fun and but that song is i read something that jeremiah said about it and he was saying like it's one of his favorite songs he's ever written because he was just in malibu and living this crazy lifestyle partying and studio and all this stuff and he just went for a walk and and thought this is paradise just looking at the ocean and i just think it's a beautiful contrast to his his other music which i also love but it's kind of it's kind of like ironic or sarcastic to sing a song like that during quarantine, because it kind of makes you think, okay, we we can't leave the house, we can't do this, but we have ourselves and our thoughts and that's beautiful too.
1: What is your earliest memory of connecting with music and feeling like a real connection to it that's sort of beyond just like background?
0: When When I was in middle school, or when I was in high school, maybe early high school, I would come home from school and I had a piano and I was home alone because my mom was at work and my sister I think had just gone to college. And I would have about three, four hours alone playing the piano and I was watching YouTube tutorials like how to play this song and how to play this song. And it was just the moments where I was super, super carefree, creative, like not doing my homework at that time, (laughs) just just making music and practicing singing and that's that was like the most formative years for me and i wish sometimes that i could get that back when there was no pressure and just like no judgment from anything it was just me on the piano so yeah i want to eventually have a place where i can fit a real piano in there
1: what kind of songs were you choosing to to learn on the piano at that time
0: Oh man, I was singing like One Plus One by Beyonce or <laughs> or California King Bed by Rihanna. And then I also did some Julia Stone songs. She's Australian. She writes really beautiful music. Those are just a few that I remember. Yeah. Some Alicia Keys classic, a must.
1: Were your parents into music when you were growing up?
0: No, not, not really. They, I mean, they love music. They listen to music. I think everybody loves music. And my mom would play when like on the weekend when she was cleaning, she was playing classic French music. And I grew up with my mom. So that's kind of what I would listen to for the most part. And then the radio, but she played saxophone as a kid. So she was also into music, but I didn't really grow up in a musical household.
1: Did you embrace the music that she listened to? Was it something that you also enjoyed or was it something that you kind of rejected?
0: No, I loved it. I I loved everything she was playing and that's why I think I still have such a wide variety of taste when it comes to music. I like a lot of different genres and whenever I hear the music that she used to play, it brings me back. It's cool that music can do that.
1: What do you feel like was the first music that you kind of like went out and discovered and felt like it was it was your your music?
0: It was definitely too short. <laughs> like no doubt. I was 15 and I was starting to go out a little bit and drink, you know, make out with boys and it was just when I was going out in San Francisco at a young age and too short was the soundtrack to that to that time for me. And then my mom dropped me off at the 100 store in San Francisco when I was 15 because Too Short was having a pop-up. And I used my fake ID because it was like 21 and up. <laughs> and I, I, like, I had my, the side of my head shaved. I, had a, I don't know if I had a dollar sign at the time in it, but I definitely shaved a dollar sign in my head for Too Short, it was intense and then I met him there and he signed my poster.
1: Were your friends also into, into Too Short?
0: Uh, n- not as much as me, I don't think. I mean, they definitely got into it and I still get texts from people that I went to high school with like, oh, just thought of you, like Too Short just started playing. And I'm like, "Haha, like, <laughs> it's amazing. People just associate him with me now.
1: You've been quite vocal about being a big fan of Bay Area rap and hyphy, and I wondered what was it that you connected to particularly with that sound?
0: I have no idea because the lyrics are vulgar and sexist often. Not everything. And I'm a feminist, so it's like I should should hate it. But for some reason, I just love it, and it makes me feel carefree, and it makes me feel... Like, it makes me get shit done. I feel like a boss when I'm listening to it.
1: You've talked before about being inspired by, like, E40's entrepreneurial spirit and work ethic. And obviously, looking at your story and all of the different jobs you've worked and all the things you've done to get to where you are now, I wondered what instilled that same kind of, like, hustler's mentality into you.
0: Whew, I think my mom. My mom had had a lot of jobs when when we were growing up, like she's a single mom so she had to hustle and I saw that hustle and so I've always had that hard work mentality. And when I decided I wasn't gonna finish college, I did one semester of college, I was just like okay, I I know that I'm capable of of becoming like a professional musician but I don't have any money right now so I have to just do things I don't want to do. And so I worked like at Bear Burger in New York. And it actually taught me a lot and I learned I made a lot of friends working at restaurants. And yeah, it taught me a lot about hard work and just when you do something that you really don't want to be doing it really motivates you to make your passion come to life because it's like <laughs> Man, I should, and I was just writing music at the hostess stand and I, it motivates you a little bit more if you're doing something you hate.
1: What was the feeling like when you got that E40 verse for Chevy Impala?
0: <laughs> it was crazy. We were just texting and, and then he texted me and he was like, he sent the, the link and he's like, E40 verse. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. He's like, all gravity. I was like, dude, it was definitely, it's definitely one of my lifelong dreams that came true. And you know, maybe we'll we'll probably work on some other music too. He said he wanted me on his album.
1: How did you connect with him in the first place?
0: We've met a long time ago, so I I, no, I don't think he remembers me, but my A&R, Tunji, him and E40 are, are close. So he sent him the song. And then I'm also friends with E40's engineer from years ago. It's like a family friend so like e40 just put it together and was like oh okay i've heard about this girl this song is dope of course she's from the bay he supports bay area artists
1: yeah at what point do you feel like you started to transition from being like a fan of music to actually being a creator of music i know you talked about the piano and stuff but when did you sort of start to make more original stuff and also to record and things like that
0: i did like some recordings when i was in high school but they were they were really bad and like the production was bad i was just working with different people and i was like okay this this sucks like i want to sing over beats so i started learning how to make beats on my iphone on GarageBand, and like they were pretty cool and then my friend got me a session one time and it was the first time ever in a studio and I I just used this beat I made in GarageBand and I was super nervous. Like you could hear my voice trembling in the mic. So I was like, okay, I need to get over that. And so I started writing music on the guitar. And then when I moved to New York is when I was reaching out to producers and being like, I'm going to take this from just my passion to my career. And that was the move to New York for me. I was like, my name is Lolo Zuai. this is what this is what the fuck is going on and so i started sending little demos that i had recorded on my computer to producers and i met this one producer and we were working in new york and that's when i started working with her and with this guy swag Arcelius, and we made a bunch of songs but i just put out this one song called so real and then after that i met stelios and that's when my sound really developed
1: How did you first meet him?
0: I met Stelios through my manager who I met on Instagram. I was working at a restaurant in the Upper East Side and I get a DM from this guy, Doug, and he's like, hey, you should come by this place, Kid Super. It's like a clothing company. I work there and I love your song and we work with artists and whatever. So I was like, okay, these guys seem cool. So I went to Brooklyn and I met all of them and they were... just like this crazy like Willy Wonka type house with a bunch of people super creative not judgmental and I felt like that's what I was missing in my New York environment I was just working at a restaurant and going to this random studio and I didn't feel like I had a community so once I met Doug and the guys at Kid Super I felt like okay this could be my this could be my little community and I ended up moving in there for six months And that's when Doug started managing me and he had known Stelios for a few years and he thought he was an incredible producer. So he put us together and we made High Highs to the Lows. It was like the second song we ever made together.
1: Was it always he would make the beats at first and you would sing or would you bring beats in? Would you kind of work together on production? How did that kind of relationship work?
0: At first, what really helped for us is that I knew exactly what kind of thing that I wanted I knew the sound that I wanted and he has this really like tasteful like worldly sound but it's also very modern and he can he's he's just he can do a lot of different things and so I was like this is the kind of beat I want and I was like this is the drum pattern that I was thinking so he he was really excited that I that I knew exactly what I wanted and then I came in with the the lyrics and so depends, it depends, sometimes he makes the beat and then I'll just go over and do some melodies. Sometimes I bring in, like my song Challenge is a, is a song that I actually started the production and then he kind of finesses it and makes it match the rest of the, the songs. And he'll also write lyrics and we kind of do it all together, but generally he, he's on the computer and I'm on the, I'm on the mic. Yeah. But it flips sometimes, he, he got vocals. I'm not gonna lie.
1: When you arrived and started working with Stelios, how kind of advanced were you as a producer? Because I know you went from from the iPhone, but then I know that you'd kind of gone beyond that and saved up to get a MacBook and were using Logic and stuff. So I wondered where you were at when you met with him, production-wise.
0: I think I was, I had already put out a song called IDR that I produced, and I think I'm pretty good i just my beats are are simple like my producer name is jigglypuff i'm just like my jigglypuff beats are are just like very lo-fi and very simple because i think people just want to hear my voice and when i hear myself sing i i just want to hear my voice and sometimes like i don't want to do too much and and so I just usually starts out with like four chord progression a synth yeah and then a kick some hi hats, snare, maybe one extra thing and and then like the one thing I'm not good at is the the bass, like the sub because logic doesn't really have that great of sounds, I think. Right. So to complete it and to make it full, usually I work with one other producer, but I can I can do like 90%. Yeah. So I still got some learning to do, but but the ideas are all there.
1: Yeah you've spoken before about how you want to keep the the energy of being a 19 year old making beats in your in your room in in your music you don't want to like lose that i wondered why that feeling is an important one to you
0: it just is because if i'm not putting like 100 percent of myself in the music then to me it's not really worth it it's like okay i'm just doing this to put out music because i'm a professional singer and this is what i have to do Yeah, i don't want it to be like that i don't want to lose the passion because then i'll just be a depressed person (laughs) i have to i have to have that soul in it and so i have a song called beautiful eyes or cold and i previewed i i did a preview of it on instagram and i showed everybody how i made the beat and i was so shocked that how many how many people wanted to see that process because sometimes you think oh no one's gonna care like it's just gonna be whatever but people really were people didn't know that i did that you know people had no idea that i could make my own beats and i think seeing somebody put 100 percent of themselves into into a song just makes it that much more special and for me a song that i produce myself and sing and write is like jackpot even if i know the song isn't like one of my best songs it doesn't matter because it has the most emotion in it for me
1: Do you think that because you're singing, your production can get overlooked? Do you think that people automatically would assume that you didn't produce it? Or are people surprised to find out that you produced?
0: Yeah, I think people just assume like a pretty girl who sings doesn't have any involvement in her music. That's just some people assume that because there have been many times when artists just big pop stars will just sing songs that are given to them which is totally fine too because being able to interpret somebody else's song and make it good is is a a talent it's like being an actress you know it's you still have to convey emotion and conveying emotion is one of the biggest parts of music so yes people might assume that and then but then when they if they care to find out they can look at the song credits and then be like oh written by lolo oh produced by lolo lolo and oh my god the video also like holy shit this is cool
1: obviously you you've written for other people i wondered if like producing for other artists and stuff would be something you would want to do in the future
0: definitely is i i want to do that for sure i because i make a lot of like hip-hop trap beats which is hilarious and so i was thinking i could give some to rappers or You know just to some of my friends who are starting out because i have a lot of different little vibey things and some people just want to freestyle over something simple to sing i have so much shit i have to do myself too and so when i find the time to make beats i'm usually like oh i'll just keep this for me but eventually when i'm older like 40 i still want to be doing music and I still want to be writing for other people and producing. So I think when I'm older, I'll probably just be like this boss lady with her own studio who's just producing for for everybody. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> That's the when, goal.
1: When you make beats, do you ever find that... Like when you said you make a lot of trap beats and stuff, do you ever find that you've made a beat that you really like, but it's not it's not like a, a Lolo Zouai song?
0: Yeah, a lot. I made a song I think is better for for nav the other day
1: well hopefully we'll hear you on uh his next album
0: (laughs) shout out nav
1: there's a really strong sense of identity in in the music i wondered how long it took you to kind of develop your voice as a creator and as a writer and as a producer and all these different aspects that you have These aren't generic songs that somebody else could sing. I feel like all of the songs are so kind of tied to you that you have to be the person who sings them. And I wonder how you get to that point.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, I feel like I've always had my voice when it comes to music since I was, and, and just writing even poetry. Since I was 10 years old, I was writing these really dark poems and I had a perspective. And when I started producing, that's when I... I was just freestyling in my room and that was really my own voice. And then and then I started working with more producers and I started doubting doubting my voice and doubting my I thought that what I was making at home like wasn't good enough for to be released. And so I kind of switched it up and when I found Stelios I I realized I could kind of mix the two and just because I was in a studio and I was with somebody else didn't mean that i couldn't still have that same emotion from when i was in my room
1: your writing is very specific to to you in the, in that way that i feel like because it's so specific it becomes relatable
0: well i just realized so many songs are good but have the same exact theme right and like the same lyrics and just the same concepts and i was like if i can find a way to convey the same emotion because i feel like there are a few emotions in songs like love sadness like sex you know there's there's a few themes that are pretty much the whole theme of music but i was saying if there's a way to to write it in a more interesting way to have these details that you wouldn't want to usually hear in a song like i remember for high highs to low lows i was like they think it's all gucci but it's 99 cents and i was like maybe i shouldn't say that it's kind of like weird and then that became one of the lyrics that people shouted the most at the concert. So then, so then I just realized the lyrics that make you a little bit uncomfortable usually are the best ones. And putting, putting your personal story in a, in a song is what people want to hear. I mean, Drake is like one of the biggest artists in the world. And he just will be like, oh, yeah, this girl down on this street. And you're like, yep, I feel that even if you don't know who these people are. Like you just want to hear something personal and, and then you'll ju- everybody who's listening will find their own way to relate to it.
1: The market is sort of saturated with songs about certain subject matter and you've obviously have covered them before, but I feel like your music is a lot broader. It's a more like lifestyle music. I wonder when you're living your life, how you capture these moments that you know are gonna make good songs.
0: Ooh, that's a good question. I've definitely back in back in my day. No, like a, like a year ago or when before I was touring and I was working at a restaurant. That's when I was getting the most experiences. So, sometimes as an artist you kind of fuck yourself over to get good songs. Like you'll get too drunk or you'll do the wrong thing or you're just gonna sabotage yourself because you want something a little bit juicy but yeah like i was seeing somebody that was working at the restaurant and he was a chef and the chefs at the restaurants they always drink red bull or caffeine or energy drinks at the end of their shift and it's really just unhealthy but that's what they have to do to stay stay awake and so when i was writing caffeine i was like this is a perfect chance to use this experience and and put it into a song and make it really fun so that's why it's like i don't want to dine in this is a drive-through because because he's a chef and there's just little things that sound common maybe but to me it's this whole personal story and a whole elaborate story and every lyric has a has a deeper meaning in a way
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah are you ever sort of taking like notes and voice notes and stuff in life because you kind of feel like you're living something that is gonna feed into a song later
0: sometimes yeah but i I think now i'm just trying to be as healthy as possible and still like still find something interesting without trying to sabotage or or make it worse you know like there's still darkness because i find that darkness is one of the It's just easier for me to write about something sad than something happy. But I think you can find a little bit of darkness in everything without having to do something crazy, if that makes sense. (laughs) You feel me?
1: How does your writing process change as you become more successful as a musician? And I guess you're no longer writing from that same perspective that you were when you made the album for example how does the process change
0: yeah it changes a lot it's hard because it's like okay all my themes before they're just not relatable to me anymore so I have to find my new perspective and I have to go more from within and and I think also I need to take myself less seriously I mean that's one of the things that I try to do is like be serious but also take myself less seriously and have fun and make music like out the bottle or caffeine those are fun songs that are silly and but still have meaning to them and so i i just want to make sure that i don't forget that side of my music and a lot of artists take themselves really really seriously and it's amazing but i'm a very goofy person so i have to make sure that i keep the balance between my goofiness and my my artistry
1: is that something that you've been quite aware of would you say because i know it's obviously in the interviews i've watched and stuff you are quite light-hearted quite funny and obviously on the music there's elements of that but like you say it's generally more serious do you think about that balance a lot
0: i think about it i think about it for my whole life i think about it for my whole career because I have th- that's why high highs to lows for me is is really real like I have this really lighthearted goofy side that's that's real and then there's also like a dark anxious depression that I think channels itself through my music more so and and sometimes they blend beautifully with fun songs and I think it's important to keep that I'll never I'll never make an album that doesn't have like a crazy turn up funny song. But yeah, it's it's something that I have to find the balance to and I I can't just be one thing. And I think that's what's fun about it. Like I think another artist who does a good job at being goofy and serious is Doja Cat. She's put out serious songs and sweet songs and she's also hilarious. It doesn't give a fuck.
1: Yeah. Obviously another really unique Kind of aspect of, of what you've been doing is is the fact that you will switch language um, and sing in French. What at what point did you start to to do that?
0: Right before I, st- I made High high to Lolo's with Stelios, I went to France for the summer, and I just realized, oh shit! Like I should just put some French in my songs because I speak French, and there's so much i was like there's spanish in music now and i was like why not let me just try it so i did that with stelios and it worked and like it opened up like a huge market in france and i was like so excited that i could go back and finally get more in touch with my french side and so once i did it i just started doing it a little bit more and then sometimes french people would roast me because they'd be like girl like that's not good grammar because i'm not over here like googling if it's perfect grammar because i want to make it real i want to make it sound like how i speak i'm fluent but i stopped french school in fifth grade so you can imagine my grammar is like fifth grade grammar and so i just i just do my thing and i don't really care what people are going to say about it because i think french is beautiful and i'm not always going to put french in every single song because i found that people are getting confused about where i'm from people are thinking i'm like this french girl who just moved to new york and like trying to tap into the american market and i'm like dude like i grew up in san francisco i barely have lived in france ever i was just trying to put myself into my music completely and I speak like 90% of the time in English and 10% of the time in French so let me just make that parallel in my music.
1: And do you feel like English speaking listeners are more open to different languages at the moment? Obviously we're seeing artists like Rosalía and Bad Bunny have massive success in Spanish.
0: Well yeah cuz they're I mean they're incredible and their style is is very relevant to like american culture too like visually and like fashion wise and their videos and the sound it's something we like like it just sounds amazing so you can feel their emotion through the music you don't have to know what they're saying and so many people speak spanish in america i think french is not i mean french is a huge language all over the world but i don't know if it's possible for it to make as much of an impact as Spanish does not it's like I would like for it to but I really don't really know if it's possible I mean I I think it's just a harder language I think to say it's hard Yeah, it's freaking hard
1: when you put out high highs to low lows were you sort of aware or did you have the intent of making an album at that time or were you still kind of in the mindset of like just making songs
0: I was just making songs. That was the only song that I had and I I uploaded it. And the thing is, it went so viral on Spotify and it would have been great if like suddenly I had this album come out right after, but that would have been so unlike me because I didn't plan anything. I just said, I love this song. I believe in this song. I'm just gonna upload it to TuneCore for $10 and I feel like it's gonna go off. And then after that, I, it went off and I was like, oh my God, I have no other music. So Stellius and I were, were like making four songs a day. Like it was crazy the amount of work we made. I have to say like 2018, I made so many songs and I still listen to them now. And I'm like, okay, this might go on my second album. This is amazing. It's like I had this 2018 for like five, six months. I had no fear. I felt no pressure. I was just super free and I was making a bunch of shit. Like I listened back and it's like so much trap elements, so much hip hop and it was really fun. Yeah, so we just went song by song. We just put out a bunch of songs like every month or every two months. And then I think after I put out Desert Rose, I was like, okay, I think a few of these songs could go on an album and I'm just gonna make my album. But it wasn't like planned at first. I mean, I've always wanted to make an album, but I didn't know how to do it.
1: You know, a lot of artists now sort of ease in with like EPs and mixtapes and things like that. And it kind of felt like from you, you kind of went straight in with the album, obviously singles before, but how did you know that you were ready to like put it out, call it an album and really make that statement?
0: I guess maybe people who out eps and everything it's more strategic and i had no knowledge of like music business strategy and again i had no fear and i wasn't tripping and i was very confident in the album and so i just i was like this is gonna be my debut album and now you see people who've already put out like four projects and they're like oh it's my debut album and i'm like what your debut album was like five years ago but i guess it's a strategy It's like a way to make sure your debut album doesn't flop or anything. But I wasn't caring about my debut album flopping. Like I knew that it wasn't going to be like the biggest album on the charts. But I was like, I'm going to put out another one and it's going to be great too. So I don't know. I I don't really like EPs that much. And I had all this music and I was like, I'm going to just come out with a bang. I think it was just that I wasn't afraid of failure Because, like, on album terms, like, you know, people are like, oh, this album only did like 7,000 in a week, like, it flopped. But it flopped to who? To the charts. But I was hoping that my album would just grow, grow, and grow, and really organically. And I think my career has been growing organically. And I'm really thankful for my fans because they buy my merch, they go to my shows, and like I'm able to support myself through that. And I know that when the time comes, there will be that one song that makes it, that takes me to the to the mainstream or to the charts. And that's going to be amazing. But you can't really go to that without a strong foundation. Or you can, but, but it won't last. Like you'll be on the charts and you'll be like, who the fuck is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Never heard of them.
1: Yeah, and then the and then the kind of rush comes in for that artist to make an album as quickly as they can.
0: Right, and then it, and that's horrible. Like you don't want that pressure. You want to have the one song that goes off and then it's like great. Like I have 15 other songs I've been working on. I have a whole other album. I've toured with these two people. Like people will go back look at all my videos, all the like low files, my my tour documentaries. And then it's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't know this girl like she's really been doing it from the ground up and that's the careers that are really exciting to watch and those are the those are the artists that last
1: yeah and I think it's really good from when you kind of discover a new artist to be able to get straight into this whole universe this whole record and kind of like understand the whole perspective of who the person is and where they're coming from rather than just like a couple of songs or
0: right it's so fun to discover somebody and be able to look back at the at the history and be like, "Oh my god. How where was I?
1: What did you personally hope to achieve with that album when you put it out? What what did you want it to to do for you?"
0: I think exactly what it did. In a year I was able to tour Europe and America, I toured the world. I went to South Korea. I went to Japan. I got this opening spot for the Dua Lipa tour and Arena tour, which is like one of the biggest tours of the year. And that's like, I think that's like everything I could have done. I'm really proud of what it's done. And I I can't ask for anything more because everything kind of happens for a reason and in its own time. And like nothing really went to radio or anything. So like once, I think my next album is, really excited about putting putting it together and yeah
1: yeah looking back at the like process of of putting out that first album what will you kind of take with you what have you learned that will be really important in how you put the second one out or what you do with the second one
0: well my first one I put it out really fast so I finished it put it out I didn't like have a plan really it was just I signed with the label like a month before I put it out, so there wasn't like a whole plan. I was just like, I wanna put this out and I'm putting it out. I think for this next album, I will probably give it more time and give it more of a chance to live and get people really on board. And yeah, and then just have a really strong visual for it and make the music great. Yeah, just yeah, give it give it more time, give it more of a chance.
1: With highs, highs to low lows video and stuff, you were shooting it with VHS and you were like creating tour visuals on iMovie. Obviously you started producing with iPhone and I really like this thing that you aren't kind of one of those people who's kinda of like, Oh well I don't have the the right equipment to, to do this or whatever. You you just use what's available and you kinda of make the most of what tools you have. I wondered how important you think that mentality has been to get you to where you are now.
0: It's really important. It's it's like what's what keeps me going because I think, especially now that we are all going through this pandemic and we are at home with, there's no way to make like a professional video right now. There's no way because you can't be with that many people. and And now I'm like, okay, well, I just need one other person and i i i learned the skills and so now i i still have the skills to be able to create on my own and i even when i signed to a label i told myself i'm going to act like i'm not on a label because i don't want to rely on people to to help me with my creative vision like if i need help i can ask like hey you know do you know this director but but i have to still act as if it's just the beginning and i'm just getting started and nobody knows my music it really feels like that for me like i can't really take a step back and be like oh wow i'm so accomplished i I don't feel that way yet at
1: all being in that kind of space that kind of headspace, how do you i mean i guess this is what the the song was about but i guess how do you manage going from these real highs that you that you get in your career you know I know the tour hasn't happened but getting on the Dua Lipa tour for example or doing the tour and you've you've done and then the kind of crashing back down to just like normal living a normal life how do you manage that kind of up and down
0: um I don't know I'm still figuring it out but I really enjoy normal life I really do like I love just like coffee and sitting, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. I just yeah, love yeah. I just love the basic thing. I just love life in that way. And so that's cool. I I'm not the kind of person that's always always looking for like something to excite me. I do really like in- relaxing. And tour like is incredible, but it also takes a lot out of me and it's really draining because I feel like I'm an extrovert, but I still have a lot of introverted qualities. And so I really do need my time alone. So I think it's a perfect balance of, of like, ah, the crazy crowd, crazy crowd. Then you come back home and you're like, whoo, this is nice. Like, this is me. This is the real me. But I think the only thing that can keep me sane is probably exercise, to be honest.
1: You like running, right?
0: Yeah, I do. Gets my mind right.
1: How long have you been running for?
0: Since since high school. Like we had PE class and we had to run. And then I was going to the gym and I grew up next to Ocean Beach in San Francisco. So I would, I would run down to the beach and just like run a couple miles in the fog. And it was always my time where my brain would, would suddenly make sense and I would come up with lyrics and I would motivate myself and I'd be like saying all these great things to myself, but it only happens when I'm running. Okay. It's like, it's weird. I'll be running and I'm like yeah like you go girl like you can do anything and then so that's why I need to run but getting out of bed and running is is hard too
1: yeah do you run with music on or do you just run without
0: I usually run with music on
1: what kind of stuff are you listening to
0: depends sometimes recently it's been like Megan The Stallion she gets me hyped right but then sometimes I listen to just a full-on pop album like been listening to the Dua Lipa album gotta get myself I gotta learn the words you know gotta learn the words for tour and then sometimes i just do the throwback albums sometimes i like to listen to ballads too i've listened to adele while, while running and it's pretty it's pretty inspirational
1: on days where you're like questioning and doubting yourself how do you pick yourself up and kind of get yourself through it
0: usually i call my friends i call my best friends and we we know each other so well we both just call each other when we need a little pick me up because it's like everybody has different friends for different advice like you know what kind of advice someone's gonna give you so yeah i'll call my friends and tell them how i feel and then they usually pet me up and and then i just like sometimes you just have to stop feeling sorry for yourself and snap out of it i know that's easier said than done but the brain is very powerful and people we always say really mean things to ourselves there was this youtube video i saw where two best friends were sitting next to each other and it's like they wrote on a piece of paper a bunch of negative things that they would say to themselves on the daily like oh i hate your i hate my thighs i hate my whatever and then they were forced to say that to their best friend and so it was like if you talk to your best friend how you spoke to yourself like you would hate yourself like you would be like i'm i'm so mean like and so it made them all cry and then i i like that concept like don't say to yourself what you would what you would not say to your friend
1: yeah yeah i loved seeing you and dev Hines coming together for for jade and the video for that i I wondered how that collaboration came about and what you learned from the process of working with him
0: he's amazing he um he lives in New York, or I think, and we were in New York recording, and he posted he posted my song "Blue" on his story. I think somebody played in my music, and he, he really liked it, so he played my songs on his story. And then we started DMing, and I was like, "You should come by the studio." And after a while, I told him I had this one song, and I wanted him to get on it. And he came by the studio and helped me write it or he wrote his verse, and and then he just recorded it there. And then we happened to be in L.A. at the same time. And the guy who directed it is somebody who's done videos with him, Nick. And so it just worked out perfectly. He pulled up. It was like a seamless operation. And he is just really supportive. And he's incredible. He's worked with so many artists that I look up to. He was one of the first people... To work with me outside of I didn't you know I didn't really know anybody in in the music scene and so I think that was really cool that he's not afraid to work with new artists and he just works with people that he thinks are good
1: how would you describe your relationship with social media because I know it's obviously something that's really tough to to deal with but at the same time like you've just said it 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 can lead to opportunities like that how do you kind of manage what you see, what you don't see, how much time you spend on it and things like that.
0: It's, yeah, it's really about balance because for me it's, I've always been on, I've been on Instagram for so long, like since it came out, I think. And I have like a tendency to just, my brain goes into these sometimes i compare myself and i think a lot of people do that and that's the dark side of social media and so when i'm feeling that way i just try to i delete the app a lot like it'll be like okay i'll delete the app for a couple days and just send my manager what (laughs) what i want him to post with the caption i'm like can you post this because sometimes you just have to step away from it if you know it's gonna make you feel bad and then sometimes i feel great and i'm like this is great like without this like i wouldn't be able to interact with my fans i have group dms with my fans that i i talk to them almost every day whenever i put out a song they're always there to to uplift and just tell me what they think and it's pretty cool that we can do that
1: what is big baguette energy and where did that come from
0: (laughs) oh man i haven't heard that in a while so big baguette energy i was in france and i was just eating a big baguette and i wrote big baguette energy and then my fans like really caught on to it and um you know you know what it means bbe but then it just became a lifestyle at the concerts and everybody was bringing me (laughs) bringing me baguettes and i'm like let's not waste food guys let's save the baguettes in the freezer
1: What's been the most difficult thing that you've had to overcome in your career so far?
0: Hmm. I think it's ongoing, but it's just like, there's, there's you know, there's politics to, there's politics to like streaming platforms and everything. And sometimes it gets frustrating when you feel like you've put in a lot of work and um and like some people aren't just catching on, you know? So, I think it's just this. You have to. I just have to keep believing in myself and like keep remembering why I'm doing it, how I felt about myself when I started and when I didn't have any fears. And it's really just a mind, a mind fuck sometimes. You just have to stay really, really positive, which is hard. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an ongoing thing, but I haven't had like a physical. Thing that stopped me yet
1: what are you most proud of about what you've achieved so far
0: i'm proud that i created a little world where people can listen and feel really safe and feel like they can relate like i'm proud of of my fans and my supporters and really proud of that because i feel like that's my that's like my people for life And then I'm just proud of myself for being able to not only like make music, but like I'm proud of like the work I've done in the fashion industry as well. And being able to do those campaigns and things like that, like helps me support myself. Like I have my own apartment now and I'm not, I'm not like stressed for money anymore. I don't have to work at a restaurant anymore, which is amazing. And yeah I feel like my mom is proud of me and that's pretty that's an incredible feeling and there's a lot more to be done but I but I I think it's gonna be fun I think it's gonna be fun it's a fun job I always have to remember like this is fun you know some people work in cubicles which which is okay too but I have a fun job
1: perfect and lastly what does success look like to you
0: Ooh. i think success is being able to obviously do what you love and make moolah from it and also t- to be able to take time off and like go on a yacht on an island somewhere <laughs> i haven't done it yet so I'm, I'm not successful just yet but yeah just being being able to be happy doing what you love and being able to support yourself and be safe. Feel me?
1: Thank you for listening to Making Conversation with Grant Bryden featuring Lolo Zui. If you like this episode, then please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts. You can find Lolo on socials at Lolo Zui and check out the deluxe edition of her album, Highs, Highs to Low Lows, and her new single, It's My Fault, on all streaming services. You can find me on social media at Grant Bryden.